service and face on Lord's Day 10, question and answer 27 and 28. And if you will read, it's found on page 526 of your book of trades. And you also read from the Fellowship Confession, Article 13, which is on page 505. Lord's Day 10. What do you understand by the providence of God? God's providence is his almighty and ever-present power, whereby, as with his hand, he still upholds heaven and earth and all creatures, and so governs them, that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and barren years, food and drink, health and sickness, riches and poverty. Indeed, all things come to us, not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. What does it benefit you to know that God has created all things and still upholds them by his providence? We should be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and with a view to the future, we should have a firm confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature shall separate us from his love, for all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will they cannot so much as move. Will you bow to confession now, Article 13? give them up through fortune or chance, but that according to his holy will, he so rules and governs them, that in this world nothing happens without his direction. Yet God is not the author of the sins which are committed, nor can he be charged with them. For his power and goodness are so great and beyond understanding that he ordains and executes his work in the most excellent and just manner, even when devils and wicked men act unjustly. And as to his action surpasses human understanding, we will not seriously inquire further than our capacity allows us. But with the greatest humility and reverence, we adore the just judgments of God, which are hidden from us. And we contend ourselves that we are pupils of Christ, who have only to learn these things which he teaches us in his word without transgressing these limits. This doctrine gives us inexpressible consolation for we learn thereby that nothing can happen to us by chance but only by the direction of our gracious heavenly father who watches over us with fatherly care even all creatures so under his power that not one hair of our head for they are all numbered nor one sparrow can fall to the ground without the will of our father Matthew 10 29 and 30 in this we trust because we know that he holds in check the devils and all our so that they cannot hurt us without his permission and will. We therefore reject the damnable errors of the Epicureans who say that God does not concern himself with anything but leaves all things to chance. Day 10, we should say, is a sort of appendix to Lord's Day 9. We 
we have in this Lord's Day a further explanation of one of the words used in Lord's Day 9, the word providence. Lord's Day 10 is an explanation of what God's providence is all about. And this explanation is needed. That's because you won't find the word providence in the Bible. It's in fact a Latin word coined by ancient philosophers. And it originally meant beforehand. Well, the church fathers digested what the Bible says about the sovereignty of God, about his almighty power, and they took up that word to describe God's control of all things. And so for them, this word wasn't just about God seeing things happen beforehand, but also God's control of all things so that nothing happens without his will. And that's the biblical doctrine of God's providence, God's control of all things that happen. This doctrine then comes to the fore in the passage we read from the Bible, Isaiah 45. Through the mouth of Isaiah, God lets Israel know that there would be a king called Cyrus who would let them return from exile in Babylon. And Isaiah spoke this 150 years before Cyrus was even born and named by his parents. So you see how much God not only sees beforehand, but is in control here. Cyrus was born and did come to be known as the Persian Empire and did issue a decree that the Jews could return to their own land again. And no one could stop that from happening or could prevent God's plan from coming about. He is in total control. That's what he also says about himself in Isaiah 45 to 7. I formed the light and created darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. So you see that God's providence is more than just seeing beforehand. It's also actively controlling what takes place. Nothing happens by chance, but everything, everything that happens in the universe comes by God's almighty hand for his purpose. And that makes the doctrine of God's providence an awesome and comforting doctrine to confess. This afternoon, then, we'll confess God's gracious providence, and we'll see, first, the wide extent of this confession, and two, the deep comfort in this confession. The wide extent of the confession of God's providence. Brothers and sisters, boys and girls, you may you might wonder what I mean with the wide extent of this confession. Well, I speak of wide extent here because I don't think we're totally aware of the implications of that little word, all, used by the Catechism in Lord's Day 10. Indeed, all things come to us, not by chance, but by our fa God's fatherly hand. I don't think we have too much problem when it comes to the nice and positive things. We can easily accept that they're from God's almighty hand. But it becomes harder to work out when all things also include sad and harsh and difficult things. Does God really have a hand in giving people pain and bringing about terrible accidents and in the bitter disappointments of our lives and in, in the disasters in the world? Do those things come from his fatherly hand too? This is a fundamental question of faith, you know, which many Christians have a hard time with in trying to explain away. Many who call themselves Christians today don't accept that all things come from God's fatherly hand. Rain as well as drought, fruitful as well as barren 
health as well as sickness, riches as well as poverty? How could a just and loving God cause these things like drought and sickness to come to you, they asked. He would be a cruel tyrant, more worthy of being hated than loved, they say. The answer many give to reconcile a gracious God and the suffering and hardship in this world is that God doesn't want it either, but can't do much about it. God suffers with us. Modern theologians say, He isn't the Almighty God, just a sympathetic one. As one modern theologian has written recently, there are certain things over which God has no control. I don't believe God causes mental disabilities in children or chooses who should suffer but muscular dystrophy. The God I believe in doesn't send us the problems. He gives us the strength to cope with the problems. We can turn to God for help in the face of tragedy precisely because we know he is as outraged about it as we are. You see, of course, brothers and sisters, that this doesn't rhyme at all with what we confess in Lord's Day 10. The God this person believes in isn't the God of the Bible. The God who, as Isaiah writes, brings prosperity and creates disaster. The God from whose hand all things come. As we confess in Lord's Day 10, this person has imagined a God who is just as helpless and powerless as we are. A God who shares our feelings, but who isn't the almighty creator of heaven and earth. And this is a God who is no help to us at all, in whom there is no comfort either. You might just as well seek your help and comfort from a neighbor than from a God like that. No, we can't accept those kind of modern, man-made doctrines about God. And yet, congregation, don't we also sometimes wrestle with questions like, how can God let this horrible thing happen in my life? I'm his covenant child, aren't I? And why doesn't he do something about that awful situation over there? If he is an almighty God, then how can a loving God permit a horrible disaster to happen, like an earthquake or tsunami, in which thousands of innocent children are killed too? Those are issues a believer can struggle with too, right? Is this God's hand when a disabled child is born, or when a child or husband or wife is suddenly taken out of this life? Or when you're told that you have an incurable disease? Or when you lose a lot of money, just when you need it most? Or when you have to deal with awful tension in your family? Do all these things come from God's fatherly hand too? Or do they come from the hand of the devil, and is God not able to prevent them? You see, we can have lots of questions in this regard too. So how are we to see all this? Well, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, Let's just listen closely to what we confess from God's word in Lord's Day 10. We confess there that all things come by God's fatherly hand. All things, not just the things we experience as nice and good and right, but also the things which we experience as not good, as disastrous and troublesome and sorrowful. These things come from God's fatherly hand too. Lord's Day 9 already speaks of whatever adversity Adversity God sends me in this life of sorrow, it's God who sends the adversities we experience too. All adversities, as we confess in Lord's Day 10. Also the drought, the barrenness, the sickness, and the poverty. That's how the whole Bible speaks. I bring prosperity and creates disaster, the Lord says in Isaiah 45. See, beloved, we can't make a contrast between God's work and the devil's work and then say, 
These things are from the Lord's hand, and these are from the devil, and the Lord had no part in it. No, it's all in God's hand. It's true that the devil has great power and is the source of evil and temptation and misery. All evil is certainly connected with the devil, with Satan, this mighty fallen angel. But at the same time, we should also remember that of himself, the devil couldn't accomplish anything. He opposes God and the saints, but he and his host of demons are only creatures too. The devil and his demons were created by God too, in the beginning as angels. And even after the fall of the devil and his angels, God is still almighty. The devil isn't a creature who can compete with God for power on an even level. No, God is still almighty. And we, and as we confess in the second answer of Lord's Day 10, all creatures are so in God's hand that without his will, they cannot so much as move. That includes the devil and his demons. God can hold the devil in check so that he can't even touch us, no matter how hard he tries. But God can also let the devil scare us or even cause some harm. Think of the book of Job here. It was certainly the devil who brought the trouble and sorrow to Job when he lost everything, even his children in one day. And it was the devil who caused Job to become sick so that his whole body was covered with sores and he couldn't stop scraping his skin with potsherds. But the devil could only do those things to Job with God's permission and will. When it came to Job's life, God held the devil in check. God told Satan that he could make him very sick, but he wasn't allowed to take Job's life. And it's the same today. Satan can do harm, but he can't do a thing without God's will and permission. And you see, this is the basis of the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer too, isn't it? Lead us not in temptation but deliver us from the evil one. You can only pray that if you believe that God, the Almighty Father, has the evil one's chain in hand and can hold him in check too. He's the one who alone can give the devil room to harm or tempt us or to hold him in check so he can't touch us at all. Do you see, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, the wide extent of our confession of God's providence? All things. Every last thing that happens to us comes not by chance, but by God's fatherly hand. Also, all the adversity we experience in our lives. God's hand controls everything. Even the devil's wicked work can't take place without the permission and the will of God the Father Almighty. And yes, the Bible tells us to be watchful and to fight against the devil who goes about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. That's our responsibility as believers. We have to fight the devil and temptation from our point of view as if it's all up to us. But at the same time, every believer also confesses that without God's will, no creature could as much as move. And I realize that doesn't answer all questions that can be asked about God's sovereignty and the devil's capabilities and our responsibilities. You might still ask why God gives the devil any room at all anymore or why he gave him any room in the first place to tempt Adam and Eve. You maybe have all kinds of questions yet, for which I have to admit there are no answers. God doesn't tell us everything in his word. What he does say is that we should be humble over against his majesty and wisdom. Who are we to question the maker of heaven and earth? In Isaiah 45:11, it says, This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and its maker. 
strange things to come. Do you question me about my children? Or give me orders about the work of my hands? Like Job, we have to put our hands on our mouths rather than question God Almighty about what he is doing. And we also confess in Belgian Confession, Article 13, as to God's actions in passing human understanding, we will not seriously inquire further than our capacity allows us. But with the greatest humility and reverence, we adore the just judgments of God, which are hidden from us, and we confess ourselves that we are pupils of Christ, who have only to learn these things which he teaches us in his word without transgressing these limits.
is of the will of our Father, Matthew 10, 29-30. In this we trust because we know that he holds in check the devil and our, all our enemies so that they cannot hurt us without his permission and will. Of course, beloved, this doesn't mean that as believers we never come in contact with evil and his kingdom anymore and that they can't cause us serious trouble or grief. God does give the devil room to move around in our lives and in the church sometimes. And then there's trouble and hardship to deal with in our lives or in the church. Maybe even deep, deep sorrow. But we may trust that everything, those, deep, those bad and difficult things that take place in our lives, God will not give us over to the devil. No, God only allows the evil to go so, the devil to go so far and no farther with his believing children. And that's why, as it says in Romans 8, nothing at all, not even death or demons or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In fact, the room that God gives the devil only serves to strengthen the bond of love between his children and him. God so has the devil and even the sinful nature of his children in his control that whatever evil the devil does, and whatever wrong they fall into has to serve to bring them closer to him. God is so completely in control that he even uses evil and difficulties in our lives as his children for good purpose. Think of Job. God let the devil go against Job. And Job struggled to understand what was happening to him. And he cursed the day of his birth. But God used the devil's attacks and Job's struggle within himself to, in the end, bring Job closer to him. At the end of the book of Job, the man is more sincerely united with his God and Savior than at the beginning. You see, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, if we understand and believe something of this, then we become patient in adversity when we suffer loss or hardship. It doesn't just happen by chance or because of this cause or that person or even because of the devil. It comes from God. His hand is in all things, and we may trust that he has his good reason for allowing that loss to take place in our lives. Then, too, that his love is at work in these things, too. We may struggle to see and accept every time there's difficulties. We struggle with the should-have, should-have, and would-have. But in the end, we may always come to a sufficient answer to all our questions. God is in control, and he is my Father in Christ. And he has his reasons for whatever difficulties there may be in my life, too. What an immense comfort if we can accept that every time again. And believing and confessing that everything comes by God's fatherly hand should make us very thankful, too. When things go good and when there's prosperity, things go well and not because of chance, as in a lottery, or because we're so much better and smarter than others. No, it's all from God's hand. He gives it to us, but he can also take it away from us. We need to be ready to say, then with Job, the Lord has given, the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And confessing God's providence like this also gives firm confidence to the future. Who knows about the future, what the future may bring? Each of us, we can worry ourselves sick about the future sometimes, can't we? Maybe also the future of our children and the future of the church. So many scary things are taking place nowadays, and there are all kinds of fear mongers out there. But, congregation, if 
God isn't almighty and in control and all, and so that the devil can't even use without his permission and will, what are we wasting our time worrying for? We just need to seek his face and strive to do what he asks us to in our place and station in life. And we can then leave all the rest up to him. He has a plan, and he'll bring it to pass. And he does it make mistakes. Nothing can separate those who love him in Christ from his love. And the gates of hell will never prevail against his church. Shouldn't that give us peace in this life and in this world in which we live? All things come to us not by chance, but by God's fatherly and loving 